Welcome to Air for VR Counselors. I'm Dr. Olivia. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are joined by Dr. Margaret Glenn, a certified rehabilitation counselor and a professor of clinical rehabilitation and mental health counseling at West Virginia University. Margaret, welcome. Thank you. It's great having you. So tell us about your journey as a VR professional. Um, I started at the age of 20. Well, actually, I started at the age of seven because my mom went to work at Woodrow Wilson Rehab Center in, this, in uh, Waynesboro, well, actually Fishersville, Virginia, and believed in taking her daughter to work along with her as often as possible and would let me just wander around this big comprehensive rehab center where people of all ages were working toward um, becoming uh, healthier and being able to either re-enter or enter jobs um, as a result, some of them, it was everything from people who had quadriplegia to um, younger people who had um, learning disabilities and that kind of thing were all under one roof. And it was a really interesting way to grow up, I'll have to say, because um, I find I have found people in my life who were very comfortable in culturally diverse environments. Mm. But the minute I would put them in an environment where there was more than one person in a wheelchair, they'd all like freak out because mm -hmm. very few people have a lot of experience being around people with disabilities. My biggest learning when I became a counselor was not everybody was an exceptional, an exceptional um, uh, achiever, that it crossed every kind of person and their aspirations were different depending on who they were. I had the belief that everybody became, you know, leaders of rehab centers or in charge of programs or counselors or doctors yeah. or whatever. And it, it was an interesting learning that not everybody with a disability wanted to be uh, number one, a counselor or a teacher or whatever it may be. So mm -hmm. um, I, uh, when I was 20, I had graduated with a degree in uh, history and political science and secondary education finding out and another good learning as a counselor who's talking to people about careers you check very carefully when you choose your career i couldn't get a job because they wanted me to be i needed to be a football coach or a basketball coach or a <laughs> baseball coach yeah. um it just seemed to be the subject that fit their preparation the best so um my mom suggested that i try for a position it was a very entry-level position as a job placement counselor i went i interviewed God help them that they actually hired me. I don't know why, because I told them that one of my challenges was I had been able to find a job in my chosen profession. So they accepted me and I went on and I was really fortunate to be able to spend um, part of my first year with an, a really, really good rehab counselor who worked the rural areas around Charlottesville, Virginia. And I learned so much from him about my his favorite one, one of the favorite lines I had is he would look at me because they're being a rehab counselor. There's a lot of paperwork involved, mm -hmm. and um, sometimes you can get lost in keeping the paperwork going and forget the counseling part of what you do. And he used to say to me all the time, "Remember, it's not about the paper; it's about the people." Mm -hmm. And to this day, I use that when I'm talking to people because it's it's kind of perfect for um, the way we want to see. Um, our counselors be able to be balanced in what they do. Um, so anyway, I, I followed him around for a few months and um, absorbed everything I could possibly absorb. 
and ended up in a caseload, which surprisingly, given now what we're doing by uh, developing a training program for rehab counselors who are working in the pre-employment transition services arena with youth with disabilities, I actually started my first job working with high schools. Yeah. And the kids that were in high schools. Um, and I, when I compare the difference between the experience those youth are those youth had with me back then and now, I just, it's like anything over 40, I mean, we're talking, I have a career over 40 years and I have watched our field develop and grow stronger and more complex. Um, when I started, you either, I, I worked with the special, with kids in special education or kids with physical disabilities. I'm not sure that I really had very many with mental health conditions, you know, that I just don't really remember that. Yeah. Um, it was very prescribed. We didn't have, you know, I was 22 or 23 when I went to my first training on traumatic brain injury. We hadn't even really been, didn't have a good understanding of traumatic brain injury rehab. And now when I look at what all our students have to learn to become a rehab counselor, I'm just amazed at how how much we can have an impact in the world. Exactly. Um, from from the youth with disabilities to people who are much older and want to need to change their jobs. But I loved working with the kids. I got a chance to go in and uh, usually I was working with the special ed teachers a lot, less the school counselors, oddly enough. And um, they would invite me into the classroom and I'd sit down and have a conversation with with all of the youth about what they wanted to do. What, what did their parents do, what kind of jobs that they had, what did they know about jobs? And it was just a free flowing, nice conversation. That was not the usual. It usually was you were supposed to go in and do an intake so that when they're ready to graduate, you can help them pr for that next level of training. We really never thought about providing services while they were in high school. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make such a difference in the lives of those kids. But it was something I love doing to this day. Yeah. The running joke is you'll, if I go to a family function, a party or something, somebody sends their kid over to talk to me about what they need to do and how, and I don't know if it's because I'm a professor or, and they think I know everything about every occupation that a university prepares people for, yeah. or they just know I love talking to kids about what they want to do. It's just so much fun to, to watch, to help people find that spark that they may not even realize that they have, or they think they need to do it because mom and dad want them to do it or something like that. Yeah. Right? So and it's, also, it's and also so starting the conversation early too, like you mentioned, instead of waiting until oh. they 18, 19, but just getting them engaged and thinking about uh -huh. the different possibilities that they that's available to them. I remember having to write a paper in um, somewhere in high school, I think maybe around ninth or 10th grade about somebody's profession. It was an English paper. And my mom said, well, why don't you interview a friend of mine at the rehab center who's a psychologist? And I look back and I wonder how much did that influence my really, once I found out there was such a job as a rehab counselor, how much mm -hmm. did that experience influence my willingness to kind of sit in it and go, you know what, that, that person really loved their job. Maybe yeah. this will be good for me. So yeah, the starting early is an amazing thing. And not everybody, not all kids have the um, the resources readily available to them. And it's not for the parents' lack of trying for parents. Sometimes parents don't know quite all the options. I mean, I grew up at a time, seriously, I grew up in a small town. 
you either work, work for the state government, you worked for uh, a major manufacturer in the area, or you're a doctor, a lawyer, or my dad was a car salesman. Uh, my mm -hmm. mom worked at state. So what I knew to be the, the plethora of jobs out there was all centered around Waynesboro, Virginia, which is not the biggest thing in the world. Okay. And I, so again, allowing them to step out of what they think they are constrained to, or don't even realize there's a constraint. You just mm -hmm. open up the world for them in so many ways. I mean, I, I'm envious of the people that get to go in there and do that. I'll be honest with you. Maybe I'll retire and become a pre-ETS counselor. I might actually be a good one right now. Yeah, go I, back to your roots. Yeah, maybe go back <laughs> to my roots and go back to it because it would be so much fun to spend some time doing that. Yeah. But um, so, I mean, my career has taken me, and, and this is the message I would send to the actual VR professionals that are listening is, I'm amazed at what my start and how it's ended up through the years, just because it, and to be honest, for somebody who likes to help people plan their careers, I didn't plan my career. I didn't, I didn't plan a career. Yeah. I did not plan a career. I just went in, I started working, things would pop up, opportunities came, I grabbed them, ran, some of them worked well, some of them didn't work so well. Um, and some were great fits and but they all somehow it built on each other and mm -hmm. i was lucky i you know i was i was fortunate there were a lot of people who came into my life that i was willing to listen to but i moved from this small rural area of virginia to northern virginia to work in the city now you're talking about miss i grew up in the shenandoah valley of virginia all right small town girl all of a sudden I'm plopped into the Washington DC area. And on my caseload was a treatment program, substance abuse treatment program. And I tried to get it off my caseload because I walked <laughs> in going, I cannot do this. It was a residential therapeutic community. They were cussing at each other. They were, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was just an intense environment. I'm glad that my my supervisor did not allow me to drop it because I ended up specializing in that and I created a special specialized caseload that was replicated in the state of Virginia um, when they uh, decided to expand. That's the beautiful thing about rehab counseling throughout the decades of our existence. We've expanded and contracted. We've been used to in the war on poverty. We've been used to work with people with substance use disorders. I mean, there's a wide variety of I always said it's probably one of the best options that we should have had available to a lot more people all along. Like when mm -hmm. we had TANF, when temporary aid to needy families came out, I had to go to New York City and train social workers on how to be VR counselors. Wow. They, did, they didn't want to do it. Yeah. They had no desire to do it. Uh, so creating and sparking an interest in them was an interesting challenge. I mean, they just, that wasn't what they were supposed to, they were trained for what they had signed on for. VR counselors would have been perfect. Anyway, back to, uh, so the journey has been great. I had this specialized caseload. Somehow I ended up being supervisor of the office and voc evaluation centers, which was an interesting change because I had to learn all about accreditation, CARF accreditation and stuff like that. And then from there, I had, um, I, after 16 years in the city, I had a, a week where 
oh no, actually what I ended up doing is I ended up working in Washington, D.C., running a resource center on substance abuse and disability that then, I, and I went back to kids again, and then I designed a couple prevention projects, one for adolescent girls in Washington, D.C., and another one in Nashville, and another one for kids with disabilities. I think it was that one may have been in Texas. And um, so I got to go back to that. I'm keep circling around back to youth somehow. Yeah. And uh, I got to do some great trainings and wonderful stuff, but it was uh, an intense job. And uh, a week being snowed in made me think, hmm, maybe I should look for something different. I was getting my doctorate at George Washington University, which I happened to fall into thanks to Donald Dew, who was a, a member of my advisory group for my, one of my grants. And literally, I went for an interview thinking I wasn't doing an informational interview on the on the doctoral program. Mm -hmm. And he had set up an interview for me to be interviewed for the doctoral program. Oh, wow. <laughs> totally unprepared. So just <laughs> do not think that you actually have to have anything planned out. People will take care of you if you, I guess, if you're lost enough like me. But um, so I, for the last 20 some years, I've been an academic and I've loved it. I mean, I love preparing. I love working with um, people at the beginning, middle and toward the end of their careers as they're making, uh, going through graduate study. It's been, it's been interesting to watch the changes. My degree, my master's degree in 1984 or 82, whenever it was awarded, after a while you forget those dates, <laughs> um, was 36 credit hours. Now we're up to 60. 60, because, yeah. Yeah, so the world, I mean, the world has gotten much more complex. We're training people at a much different level, and it's a lot of fun to watch them go out into their careers. And uh, when they, when I love it when people stay in touch and tell me how exciting things, what's going on for them, they're so exciting. But now we're doing this um, training program for pre-ed um, counselors, and frankly, the technology's been fun to get to know, that's for sure. Uh, Definitely, I agree I with never, that. <laughs> I never thought I could do an Oculus headset, but you know, a virtual reality headset, and I, but I'm sold. Um, and uh, it's, again, one more opportunity to interact with rehab counselors, and they're such a great group. They really are. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've continued to share this theme about you know, this, these great changes that you personally got to experience over the course of the, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. up until now, since you started your career in VR. Uh, but what challenges do you still see exist for VR professionals who specifically focus on that pre-ETS work? You know, it's one of the interesting things about just to learning more about what's going on with this, because frankly, I, I was a little behind on it more than I wish I had been. But that's the, well, um, I guess I'm training myself. So if I have to train myself, I'm, I'm picking out what might be necessary for them. But um, for me, there's, each state seems to be doing all of this differently. And that's great. It works, whatever works for them. What worries me about how some of this has played out is some of the rehab counselors, we're training we train clinical rehab counselors. We train counselors who want to counsel, right? Mm -hmm. Who want to engage with their clients and be more involved. And they're getting stuck with a lot of paperwork, uh, a lot of case management, which mm -hmm. is fine, but a balance between the two. And sometimes 
it may feel easier to get lost in the paperwork than it is to go out and maybe go like I I mean I I had a lot of paperwork too not ours was actually on paper not <laughs> the computer screen when I was a, a counselor and uh, working with the schools but um it it energized me to go out and say can I just sit in on what because a lot of times community rehab programs they are special they're doing some great work out there um, some of these programming that are going on it seems amazing um, the rehab counselors need to step out and be part of it number one to make sure that the services that they're they're actually negotiating on behalf of their clients are effective and doing what they're supposed to do but it also energizes you and connects you with your clients at a whole different level i think um and kids lives are very complex now i mean i grew up again there wasn't a whole lot <laughs> It was I was in the country yeah. um, and it was a leave it to be my a friend of mine said it was a leave or, leave it to beaver kind of world, you know, that it didn't seem to have a lot of of trauma or anything underpinning it. But that's happening less and less, I think, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And given everything that we've been going through, even the past year has changed kids lives amazingly. Um, I think that one of the challenges I would have if I now that I can look back on some of the reading I've done is number one, working with parents. I didn't have to work with parents that much. Right. You just sent the forms home, parents signed them and sent them back in. Um, but parents are important, but we can get, um, I mean, but parents are as diverse as those kids are. They're the parents who are very involved, who know everything there is to know some of them jump in to try to be the speaker of for their child and others are not able to be as present mm -hmm. um, i used to have my students read a chapter out of a book by randall robinson it was called the debt what america owes blacks and there was he was an, a consultant in, in uh for i think the department of education and was had gone into a school system and one of the teachers was very upset because this one parent would not come in for for um, meetings with her. Mm -hmm. He scheduled the meetings during the day when the teacher was working. And Mr. Robinson or Dr. Robinson went to visit the mother and found out that she was working an hourly wage job. If she left her job, she lost income. She would, you know, weekends were, you know, she had to get on a bus with her lawn. I mean, she, the, the picture that he painted for you of the challenges of, that some parents have mm -hmm. made you realize it's not because they don't want to be involved. Their, their, first, their first order of business is making sure their kids are fed and housed. Mm -hmm. And getting beyond that might be impossible for a lot of kids. But if we grow up with a different kind of family, we may not be as aware of that. Exactly. And, I'm not, and I'm not really sure that we had a lot of training. We have couples and family counseling now in our program of study, but how much did we actually do with around adolescence and, and parents and stuff was, was, I didn't get that much training in it, that's for sure. Exactly. I had to pick it up as I went along. So the challenges are, it's just a much more complex environment but that allows you to be more creative at the end of it all. And I'm a, I'm 
a, I think a friend of, of ours says, I'm a seeker of information. Every mm-hmm. time I come up against it, oh good, it's something I can learn. I'm, I'm excited, I can go out and learn it. But that can be, become overwhelming at the same time when you're trying to get a lot done. But um, it's, it's a creative environment that rehab counselors can work in. Um, and I'm hoping that we can see a lot of the people who are coming through the training program really taking the lead on making this effort what it can be, which mm-hmm. is which is amazing. Think about it. You starting with kids who have, I think there's, I've, I've got some uh, statistics about what they felt was important for satisfaction of life. And it was about work and workplace accommodations and, um, but self-determination, self-advocacy, all of the things that they need to have in their toolkits to be successful that I was kind of given along the way too. Yeah. I didn't even know some of it needed to be built in, you know, it just was, but, um, it's just, there's so much that can be done that, uh, the counselors that are working right now are going to be able to do that. I never even thought about doing. So it's amazing. I think I just got lost in that. Sorry about that. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. <laughs> no, I, you're I, fine. I, I, I call them my creative moments when I'm like talking. I was like, where did I start with this? Okay. This is no, one. I mean, you touched on, you know, things to be mindful, things for current VR professionals to be mindful of as they're working with uh-huh. adolescents. And, you know, I, I think the theme that I'm getting from you is the, the greatness about the the proactive like being proactive mm-hmm. and really starting early and having those conversations and, and starting to work on those skills when these you know young people are still you know in high school and that around that high school age to prepare them to that for that transition instead of waiting until they're making that transition to then start doing all of these things which can I, I feel like that can be overwhelming like learning the life skills and then learning about career opportunities and then being placed uh, instead of kind of almost doing it in a tier system mm-hmm. and gradually exposing them right. to these things. Reinforcement. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So they're reinforcing over and over again. And, and, you know, I was sitting there thinking, um, working with kids over time is going to There was a moment. It, one of the things is for kids as they grow up, if I look back on my own experience, having a lack of information about what's possible is essential as an essential issue. Mm-hmm. Um, reinforcing it over time so you believe that you can really do where you could really accomplish what you want to accomplish in the world. Um, making sure that in sometimes it's realistic without without diminishing somebody. Mm. There's a there's a point where you can be helping somebody prepare for something that's that could be a, a an abject failure, which would mm-hmm. not be great. But how do you do it in a way that you don't diminish the opportunity? You, you're not inserting your expectations in there, but or lack of expectation for somebody, but mm-hmm. that you're helping them move on and um, the other one, I would, I would have to say that 
I read something recently that I thought was great. If for rehab counselors, it would be great. It was for this was actually for I think school counselors. But the, I was reading an article by a gentleman who had written um, about using humor in group with adolescents. Mm. His line, and I wrote it down because I wanted to remember it exactly as he said it. It's nearly impossible to run an adolescent group without a sense of humor. That and you know true. what? I think <laughs> I think it's it's worth remembering that kids are undergoing an intense time in their life. I mean, academically, socially, mental health wise, they're all I mean, it's intense. Te mm -hmm. te teenage teenager is an intense time. And if you walk in with an intense persona, you're just going to be one more authoritarian person in the group. But if you walk in with a well-developed sense of humor about yourself mm -hmm. and about uh, the world and have a more lighthearted way of working with the kids, mm -hmm. trying to go through paperwork or whatever it may be, I think it's, it's just it's going to make it, first of all, you're going to have a lot more fun and they're going to have a lot more fun and they're going to actually connect. That's the one, the one thing, in, that was the other thing. One thing in prevention I learned, the most important thing that can change a, a kid's life is one person. Hmm. One person being connected and committed to their, their future can make a huge difference. And rehab counselors can be part of that. They don't have to be the only person, but they can be a big part of that. Definitely. And we can make a huge change in the outcomes for, for all of these kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting because a previous guest mentioned um, the importance of empathy, you know, like having that empathy when you're doing this work, um, because if you empathize with your clients and you're able to develop that, uh, that great therapeutic alliance, mm -hmm. one, they're understanding, they're going to get that message that, okay, I, I'm here because I care. Um, and that's going to translate to the parents and the caregivers. And I feel like that mm -hmm. does increase buy-in too. Mm -hmm. And the person that you're the individuals that you're working with genuinely mm -hmm. feel like you care. Everything mm -hmm. else is going to fall in place. Like the mm -hmm. paperwork that we can't take that away. It's like the paperwork is the paperwork. We've got to, yeah. <laughs> there's no way to get around it. Yeah, got to write it all out. <laughs> exactly. But I feel like, you know, families will be willing to do the paperwork if they know mm -hmm. the person who's, you know, facilitating this process care. And if, you know, Dr. Glenn is saying, I need to, you know, fill out this 30 page assessment. It's because of something, so I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. <laughs> Not sure that take take me that seriously. I, I, I mean, there is a lot of paperwork. It is, yeah. and it is difficult to uh, to manage all of that as a counselor or a, per, a person entering the system. It gets frustrating for a lot of people. Exactly. And they're not sure exactly what to do. But uh, yeah, empathy, compassion, lightheartedness, being a real person. I mean, mm -hmm. I. You know, they always talk about, we always talk in counseling about sharing our own experiences when appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, I love to tell the story that I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I grew up, and I'm still not sure I do. It's a good day. <laughs> but um, I might be getting closer to it. But um, just being, just knowing that not everybody, that ever, all of us have had bumps in the road, no matter mm -hmm. what. And uh, sharing that with with uh, students being, I think authentic is the other word I would put. Authentic, sense of humor, com empathetic, compassionate, and um, and being committed to it. You know, when you don't want to um, drop the ball for people. 
which, exactly. yeah. So making sure you follow through and follow up and follow through is important as well. So, yeah, it's a great field. I love to read. I don't, I, I don't think I'd go, might go into graphic arts or something like that, but maybe not. Uh, that's rather stressful. I'm not sure that I would change what I did. Mm -hmm. um, it was a, it's a, being a rehabilitation counselor has so many facets to it, so many different things that you can do. Um, I don't, I would have never made a good mental health counselor working in private. 50 minutes, 10 minutes, 50 minutes, 10 minutes, 50 minutes. Mm -mm. I watched yeah. a friend of mine. I was a, a friend of mine was a career, uh, asked me to come into her practice as a career counselor. And I would sit there and watch the revolving and like, man, when do you breathe? You know, it was one of those numbers. Yeah. Um, I much prefer having a little different structure in my life, being able to do a lot of different things. So that mm -hmm. fits my personality. Um, and, um, yeah, and being able to try different things. I love positive psychology now because I think when I was doing some of the uh, development of uh, some of the training components for the group work, I'm introducing the idea of what positive psychology can bring yeah. to making, shifting the way these youth see themselves and the world around them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, I mean, it's just so much fun to learn something new. You know, exactly. it really is. It is. <laughs> the kids, kids might enjoy it too, if you do it right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been such an enjoyable conversation. Uh, I just want to see if there were any final words that, um, or like golden nuggets you want to leave the VR counselors who are currently listening to us right now. Mm. Always look for opportunity for your clients, but also for yourself. Mm. Uh, do never ever allow yourself to get in to a rut with what you're doing. There's too much out there. Even if it's not a different job, there's a, maybe a different way to do your job. Um, there might be other people that you can bring in. Never turn down a training opportunity. That's for sure. You're mm -hmm. always going to learn something new that you can use and something you may not even know that you're interested in. I spent a good six months trying not to work with addicts. The last 20 years of my life has been focused most on substance abuse and disability or, or rehab counseling and substance abuse yeah. or prevention of adult, you know, helping um, with the prevention of substance abuse problems among adolescents. So um, if I, if she had done that, I would have missed a huge opportunity that yeah. I've enjoyed immensely. Yeah. Sometimes the challenging things are the best things to engage in. Exactly. Exactly. So just enjoy <laughs> it, just enjoy it and figure out how, how you, how you can use your talents effectively in, in the whole process. Yeah. And come to West Virginia university for your master's degree. If you want. <laughs> nice plug there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Margaret, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a okay. pleasure. All right. Thank you, darling. Take care. Bye. Bye.